Amen. Well, there's other things to say, but I want to give the microphone right now to someone who's familiar to most of us in this room and many of you watching online. And uh, Dr. Allen and Nanush have, have ministered from this pulpit many times. And uh, even before I was pastor here, they have ministered. And uh, not only just from the pulpit, but they've ministered to me and Joni personally multiple times. And I just can't wait for what the Lord has spoken to you. Let's welcome Dr. Alan Bullock. Well, good morning, everyone. Am I on okay? There we go. Now I can hear a little bit. Okay, thank you. I was telling Pastor, yeah, I'll come up here. I was telling Pastor that we could add, thank you so much, brother, we could add a, another line to no more crying there. We could sing no more virus there. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> no more virus there. Well, God bless you. It's just a, a, a joy to be back with you this morning. Looking forward to what the Lord has in store. Uh, I feel like the Lord has given me a, an unusual, different message, which normally mine are anyway. You've heard me speak, um, and looking forward to Anoush this evening. She is my favorite speaker in the whole wide world. Anoush does not call herself a preacher. Um, she calls herself a sharer. <laughs> she likes to share, but she can share until the paint comes off the wall, if you've ever heard her share. And uh, so I'm looking forward to that. And Pastor, uh, so good to see you your family. How many enjoyed the uh, worship this morning? I don't know where you got this guy at, but wow. Uh, just, um, he can sing, can he? And I imagine what his voice was like a few years ago, but imagine, it's just incredible. And then when we all get to heaven, when we all get to heaven, you know, what's it going to be like up there? What's the singing and the worship going to be up there with all the angels and tens of thousands of people worshiping the Lord? Well, I want to talk this morning. I'm uh, going to show a little video here, clip this morning. Let me read the scripture first, and then we'll, we'll get right on that. Turn with me, if you would, to uh, the book of Psalms, chapter 37. The book of Psalms, chapter 37. And uh, let's just read a few select verses. Would you stand with me this morning for the reading of the word of the Lord? Amen. Psalms 37. Amen. Pastor Ricky's used to tables and I'm used to, uh, to things that tilt. Amen. Now, Psalms 37 is the difference, if you would, of the heritage or the contrast uh, between righteous people, the people who do good, and the people who do bad. Very simple. And we see that very pronounced in verse, uh, let's start with verse 22. For those blessed by him or by God shall inherit the earth, the good things of God. And verse 23 is our pivotal verse this morning. But the steps of a good man, good woman, it's not leaving the woman out, not leaving children out, it's not leaving grandparents out, not leaving stepchildren out, it's not leaving in-laws out, outlaws out. But the steps of a good man are what? Ordered by the Lord. And he delighteth in his way. Now, the word capital, uh, he is capitalized, so it's talking about God. 
So God delights in the way of a good man. So the steps of a good man or woman are ordered by the Lord, and he, God, delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not utterly be cast down. It's interesting. God's talking about a good man or a good woman. And then right after that, he says that he delights, that he that gives God pleasure to see what's going on and to help that good man or that good woman. And then the very next thing we read is very unorthodox to me. Even in the Jewish language, it's very unorthodox here that he would then go on to say, the third thing he would say is, and even though that good guy falls, God still delights in the ways of a good man or a good woman. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. Now I have been young and now I am old. Yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or begging bread during the times of a virus. <laughs> Father, we love you. We thank you for this day. This is the day the Lord has made, and we will rejoice, and we will be glad in it. Father, thank you for your word. We pray, God, that it become a light and a lamp unto our path and to our soul, that you would illuminate God brightly this morning. God, open our minds, our spirits, our beings, our souls to the word of the living God. And maybe you challenge us today to become more like you in every dimension, every facet of our being. And Father, we thank you, Lord, that you're not done with America. You're not done with this world. You're not done with this nation. You're not done with the church. You haven't put us on a shelf and forgotten all about us. Lord, even in the midst of the pandemic, you are here, right here, just as close today as you have ever been. You're as close to the people watching online as you've ever been. Father, it's us that move aside. It's us that go astray. It's us to walk away from the safety net of the church. And, Lord, we want to get back and lockstep with whatever you're doing during this pandemic. And we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said Amen. Thank you, Lord. And turn your neighbor before you sit down and say, you know what? It's amazing to me that you look so much better the last time I saw you. Baby steps. It means setting small, reasonable goals for yourself one day at a time. One tiny step at a time. Baby steps. For instance, um, when you leave this office, don't think about everything you have to do in order to get out of the building. Just think of what you must do to get out of this room. And when you get to the hall, deal with that hall and so forth. You see? Baby steps. Baby steps. Oh, boy. Baby steps. Baby steps. Baby steps through the office. Baby steps out the door. It works. It works. All I have to do is take one little step at a time, and I can do anything. Well, if you've never watched, uh, I don't recommend movies for obvious reasons, but if you've never seen the movie Baby Steps, it's, um, it's quite funny. And that was just a one-minute clip. There's a longer one that watches that you, where you watch Bill Murray, who has more mental challenges than any human being that's ever lived. 
He's been through about 186 psychiatrists, and every single one of them couldn't help him, and so they pass him along to the next psychiatrist. The last psychiatrist, he about drove crazy himself. He was afraid of everything. He was afraid of the daylight. He was afraid of the dark. He's afraid of vehicles. He's afraid of taxis. He's afraid of shaving. He's afraid of going out by himself at night. He's afraid of the morning. He's afraid. He has phobias of every conceivable type and fashion that you could think of. He was simply afraid of everything. And because of that, he was afraid to take the necessary steps to get free. It's interesting that we see similarities in some Christians' lives both yesterday and today and possibly tomorrow. But he runs across a Richard Dreyfus, who is a world-famous psychiatrist. And Richard Dreyfus has written a famous book that's just come online on Amazon and whatever, made the best of this, called Baby Steps. And so Richard Dreyfus here, the movie star, uh, is telling uh, Bill Murray about the book. And he does this just a simple explanation of what Baby Steps is all about. And then you saw that. The longer clip shows Bill Murray getting in the elevator and, and just panicking again and coming right back in. And the whole movie is about how Richard Dreyfus is supposed to help him get free. It's a very, very funny movie, and I can recommend it. It's, it's wholesome. It's healthy. There's nothing bad in it. At the end of the movie, Richard Dreyfus. Uh, excuse me, uh, Bill Murray drives Richard Dreyfus, the psychiatrist, to the brink of insanity himself. And at the end of that, well, I want to ruin it for you, but I recommend it. So what I want to do this morning is sort of take a little different road to baby steps in the body of Christ. Since we're not babies spiritually in here, unless you just accept the Lord as your personal Savior here just recently, as some have by, from our evangelist here. So what I want to do this morning is talk to you about the amount of times that the word step or steps appear in the Word of God. As a matter of fact, you can probably remember when you, if you're a parent, when you call mom or dad or some member of the family, or you called your husband if he was at work when your little child took their very first what? They, I can't hear you. They took their very first what? Step. So how many of us, when we became believers, took our very first step in faith in the kingdom of God? So how many times have you heard the word step or steps? How about in the movies where you'll hear somebody say, well, they just stepped over the line? Or that person just stepped over the line when they made that ungodly statement? Or as a child with their six guns on, if you were, uh, or your dolls, if you were a girl, you said, step over the, I just dare you to step over the line. How about this? In 1969, astronaut Neil Armstrong, who was the first man to ever walk on the moon, remember what he said? That's one small step for man, but one giant leap for mankind. Now, in Exodus 14, you don't need to go back there, but in Exodus 14, we see this biblical premise, or this premise walked out, if you would, or stepped out biblically, so to speak. Let me give an example of where we're going here this morning. In Exodus 14, you remember the nation of Israel standing at the edge of the Red Sea. And uh, the nation of Israel, the Israelites then, the Jews today, were afraid or 
whatever kept them from moving out forward or stepping out in faith after all, even after all the things that Jehovah God had done for them. The manna, the rock with water, and God feeding them supernatural food and supernatural drink and taking care of them. He even said that the sandals on their feet did not wear out. So even after God had done miracle after miracle after miracle and delivered them out of the land of Egypt, no more making bricks and no more living under slavery, even after all the things that Jehovah God had done for them, they still were afraid to take the necessary steps to be free and to remain free. It's one thing to take a step forward in faith, believing that God will do it, but when something happens, so when some life crisis or crises happens, then we want to back up in our faith level or in our determination to move forward in the kingdom of God. And that's what I want to deal with this morning in the midst of this pandemic. So in Exodus 14, we see the nation of Israel standing at the edge of the Red Sea. Now we have to keep in mind, as you know, they didn't have bulldozer. They couldn't build a, a road. They couldn't build a uh, freeway. You, you go through Texas, and Texas is a state that is constantly building roads and redoing the roads. And I'm thankful for that, but it causes a little bit of... Um, go-rounds and time delays and those kinds of things. But we do have that blessing here in Texas. But if he has the Red Sea, the nation of Israel standing there, and nobody even moved forward. You remember the story that, that um, Moses goes to God and basically not complains necessarily, but he's talking to the Lord. He says, God, these people won't move. And God wants to wipe them out again. And Moses says, no, no, don't do that. You know, uh, wipe me out first and those kinds of things. And so God gives an instruction to Moses to go back, take the rod, hold it up. His arm gets weary, and then two men come along and help him out. That's a wonderful picture of, of servanthood and serving others in the body of Christ. But anyway, the Jewish history says that there was a man that walked forward by the name of Noxium. And he walked forward, in the, and Jewish history says that he walked out into the Red Sea up to his ankles. Nothing happened. Jewish history says that Noxham walked out up to his waist and nothing happened. Jewish history says that when Noxham walked out into the Red Sea and was barely on his tiptoes and the water was up to here, just above his neckline, Jewish history says that the water parted. Now, I realize we're not talking about Scripture, but stay with me for a moment. You can find the fact in the Bible that Noxham's name appears in at least four times in the Scriptures. We also know about Noxham that he was Aaron's brother-in-law. We also know that he married the woman that helped the, uh, the spies get free in the Old Testament when they took over that part of the land. We also know that Noxham was the first man, after they crossed the Red Sea, he replaced the man that was over the commander of the armies of the nation of Israel. So there was a change in the guard. Because, listen carefully. There was a change in the guard because of what Noxham was willing to do. He was willing to take steps out and move forward when a million people standing behind him were frozen in time and were afraid to move forward. Something else interesting about Noxham is this. Now, not only did he become the commander-in-chief of the nation of the army of Israel after they passed over the Red Sea, but when they entered the promised land, there was a, a, a pole taken, so to speak, and the stones were cast of who was worthy and who should come forward and, and give of the first fruits in the, in, the, in the new promised land. 
And Nachshon was the man that was elected to give forth the offering in the promised land. Now that fascinates me as a Bible student. And here's why. Because again, here was somebody that was willing to be different, to be challenged in their faith and their level of comfort to move forward during a time of crises when nobody else would. And I believe that God is speaking to the body of Christ once again that there should be male and female, men and women of God, like Noxham, so that you can move forward. There may be somebody at your job. There may be somebody sitting next to you in church. There may be somebody in your family you're watching online, a family member that is paralyzed and transfixed by what is going on in the world today. But thank God that God is better, God is stronger, God is more powerful than anything that we face in this life today. I was sitting in my office. I was uh, uh, with Teen Challenge International for a number of years, and I was sitting in my office. I was a director of Teen Challenge in uh, Florida for a while. I was sitting in my office uh, on Orange Avenue in downtown Orlando, Florida. And it was 4 o'clock in the afternoon, which was my Bible study time. I closed the door, took the phone off the hook, didn't answer my cell phone, none of those things. And I was just sort of praying over a scripture that God was giving me about winning, about evangelism, as a matter of fact. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, I want you to go out the door and turn right. And I want you to walk as far as I tell you to walk until I tell you to stop walking. So I opened the door, did what God told me to do, opened the door and began to walk um, going north on Orange Avenue there in, in Orange County, California, in Orlando. And I didn't take about 9 or 10 or 12 steps. And I was, I don't know why, I don't ever do this. I never look down while I'm walking because you can run into somebody. But I was looking down actually counting the steps that I was taking. And I don't remember the amount of steps. It was about 7 or 8 or 9 or 10 or 11 or 12 steps. And I, because I was looking down, I ran into a woman. And Anoush later on came to know that woman, and we prayed for her, and she became a believer. We're going to call her name Jane. Jane had a $350 or $400 a day drug habit. Talk about winning drug addicts to the Lord. And she had lost her children because of her drug addict. She had three or four doctors that were giving her different kinds of medication. And the one doctor didn't know the other doctor that was doing that. So we led her to the Lord. She was, she, um, we're adults in here. The kids are gone. But she walked the streets to pay for her drug habit. So I brought her to my office, got a noose. We prayed for her. She accepted the Lord as her personal Savior. She went on to the ministry, went on to the Bible school, and as far as I know, she's doing extremely well to this day. Psalms 37 is what we call a mescal, and that means that it is a teaching psalm. And Psalms 37 and much of the psalms teaches you a way to live in the area of of wisdom. So it's a mescal. It wants you to learn how to live wisely during unwise times. And so it's teaching you about how a wise man, which would be a good man that walks wisely before the Lord, should walk. Now stay with me for a moment. So it says then, it's a teaching solution for life's difficulties. So couple that, now stay with me now, use your mind, your spiritual mind this morning, 
It is a teaching mascal which is going to show you how wise men live in unwise times. So in order to understand this, we need to take the words in Psalms 37, verses 23, 24, and 25, and break them down very carefully. First off, the word good or good man. The Hebrew word here, pastor likes Hebrew, the word here is G-E-B-E-R, geber. And it literally means a mighty person, a mighty man or a mighty woman. Now, it's not talking about the mighty men of old in the Old Testament, that the man with the spear that, that withstood in, um, uh, over 200 men in a, in a pit on a snowy day. It's not talking about the mighty men of David. It's not talking about the mighty men of Saul. A mighty man here doesn't mean a man that's 6'6", that weighs 190 pounds, that works out in the gym. Not talking about a football player here. It's not talking about brawn. It's not talking about muscles. But it still uses in Hebrew the word mighty, which is interesting. The word here literally means a man that is able to stand firm in the midst of problems and difficulties. A woman that is able to stand and trust God, even though that which is going on around them, or even internally but primarily externally, is able to stand up strong during times of strife. Now, the next word is the word good. It is the word toy, ta in Hebrew, T-O-Y. And it means this. This is important. It means that which reflects back the image of that which created it. Now, I'll give you an explanation here. Stay with me. In Genesis 1 and 31, we see these words come into being. God saw all that he made and said that it was what? Good. Boy, you guys are right on it this morning. He saw all that was made and he, and he said it was good. Why did he say that? Look up here. Because that which God created reflected back the image of the creator. Now, that's the picture of a good man. That's the picture or the typology this morning of a good woman. You reflect back that which the Creator has done in your life. Doesn't the Bible say that it gives God pleasure to do good things, to work out good things in your life? Why? Because as He does, and you live life down here on this terra firma, until you get to heavenly sod, God has a plan. We know that from the Scriptures. His plan is not to hurt you or harm you. You may go into harm's way in the military. I've been in the military. I'm an old Vietnam guy. You, you, you may go here and there on this earth. You may go out. When I went out witnessing one time uh, with a, a team. I was taking teams out across the country. And I went out witnessing, brother. And I had a, a, a lady and a, a man with me. I always went out, we went out with threes and knocked on doors with threes. And uh, we're just getting ready to get her out of, out of the van. And the lady that I had chosen to go with us, she had never gone before. And we're going to go cold turkey, as they say, and knock on doors. She said, well, just a minute. She said, well, we're going to pray, right? And I said, we're going to pray. After we pray, she says, well, I'm not worried. I said, well, that's good. Here's a woman with faith. No. She, re she opened her purse, and she pulled out a 38. She said, if we run into problem, I'm ready for it. I don't think that's exactly what God had in mind. Can I get an amen? So, brother, let me know if you come back with somebody who does that with you. Amen? All right. So, 
Then it says that a good man, his steps are what? Ordered of the Lord. The actual word here is the word for established. That God will establish the direction and the steps you take. The steps of a good man or woman of the Lord. Now the word here is interesting. It denotes a believer who has honorable intentions. Now stay with me. What we're talking about here is during a time of trouble, during a time of difficulties like the pandemic, and any time, that every step that you take towards God, towards the kingdom, towards kingdom endeavors, towards kingdom living, toward kingdom faith, moving in a direction that would do two things. It would, excuse me, it will further enable you to grow in your lifestyle with God. I never lose my voice, but wouldn't you know it this morning? Thank you, almighty woman of God. Help me, Jesus. It always happens when you don't want it to, doesn't it, brother? Amen. You ever lost your voice? You probably have once or twice. We all have. So what we're talking about, get a picture then of a man or woman of God. They're not perfect, and we're going we're gonna to talk about that. People tend to think about, they look at Oral Roberts, or they look at Billy Graham, or they look at that person, or you or me, or whoever. And they, they tend to think that that good man of God, that good of woman, oh, they've made some mistakes, but boy, other than a few errors in their life, the reason that God has used them is because they're so dynamically perfect. That's not the case in the Bible, is it? <laughs> or none of us would be here. So let me finish this. The steps of a good man are established. Why? Why is important? Because the intentions of the good man are to honor God in all that they do and say. Are you with me? So then it gives God pleasure or delight to help that good man or good woman when they fall or when they fail in the midst of their attempt to serving God. Are you with me through this? I know this is a little different for you, and some of us have to really go, huh? But that's okay. If you'll stay with this, it'll teach you something, I promise you. All right. Now, why does the church exist then? Why are we here this morning? Well, you think, ah, that's a good question. Well, what's the answer? We're talking about the steps of a good man. If, if we all took steps to come into this building, you had the walk-up steps to get into this building. Are you with me this morning? When you leave, you're, you're not, we're not going to carry you. I'm not going to carry you. You come to me to carry you. You're gonna, now, if you make a really good uh, a homemade banana cream pie, I may carry you out this door. If you make a really good chocolate cream pie, I may care. You make a pecan pie with whipped cream on top, pastor will carry you out to your car <laughs> while I stay and eat the pie. But we're going to take steps. We, we don't think about certain words in English. You know, we talk about faith and deliverance and the gifts and, you know, all those things. But we don't think about these little, little words in everyday vocabulary, steps. Well, I take a step to go over here and, 
how many steps is it? Now they got these watches that'll take care of how many steps you took and how many times you walked around the block and all those kinds of things. So the word steps appears hundreds and hundreds of times throughout the scriptures, and it's there for a reason. Now, God's agenda for us taking steps, it's this. God's agenda for the steps and God's agenda for the church is summed up in this statement. Listen carefully. That God would have a dwelling for his son. That God would have a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. That God would have a place to habitate, cohabitate, coexist, live among, breathe among, breathe upon, to use you as you're stepping towards in faith the direction that God is leading you. I couldn't have asked for a better example than the young brother this morning. It's a perfect example of you coming to church, walking online. You took steps to come over to your computer and turn it on so you could watch online. And God will bless this, the, the most basic, fundamental steps of faith God will honor. Can I get an amen in here? Ephesians 1 through 10, I won't read it. He predestined us for the adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the promise of his will. The Greek word here means to mark out beforehand or to determine beforehand. So God's watching the steps you take, especially the ones where you're taking to glorify him. And as you do, should for some reason you fall and stumble, God gets delight. Hey, example, Lord, if Peter's in the boat, Jesus comes walking across, across the lake. Lord, if that's you, bid me to come. Well, hello, it's me. Come on over here. Jesus walks until he sees the wind and the waves, and he begins to sink. And Jesus reached out immediately. He didn't say, oh, oh man, I, I gave you your chance. You blew it. You should have knocked on that door. That guy's standing on the road asking for a dollar or two dollars. You said, oh, ah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to help that guy. The, the times we pass people by to witness, the times we pass people by to do something good, the times in a restaurant where we mumble our prayer instead of speaking out verbally, where people can hear that prayer. The times in Walmart or wherever you are that we have opportunity to take a step towards doing something good for Teen Challenge or a missionary or doing something for evangelism or doing something for your pastor or doing, coming down and volunteering to use a vacuum cleaner. How about this? God forbid that we would volunteer to clean the bathrooms. Isn't that what girding yourself with a towel is all about? Well, gird yourself. I'll gird myself with a towel and I'll serve somebody else, but I want to do it in Hawaii. No, that isn't how it works. First, you have to be willing to gird yourself with the towel of humility and devotion. 100% sold out for God. Then God will raise you up 
when it's time for you to be raised up, can I get an amen? Well, very quickly, good men can fall. Good women can fall. Psalms 37, 24, though he stumble, he will not fail. The word fall here is the word for fail. How many of us have fallen? Being down doesn't mean you're out. Can I get an amen? Being down doesn't mean you fail. You can fall, but you don't have to fail. <laughs> Give you a, an example here. A guy standing here with an earned doctor's degree. Two bachelor's degree and a master's degree in, in therapy. My senior year in high school, if you laugh, I'm going to come get you. I'm going to come back there. Whoa, okay. My senior year in high school, I had to do another year. My average grade in grammar, in English lit, was a D minus. My average high school graduation grade, Pastor, was a D plus. I had to do the year over again. It wasn't because it wasn't there. It wasn't here. You can have it here, but if it's not here, brother, it's not going to do you any good. That's the reason the Scripture says that God shows the foolish things in the world to shame the wise. My English teacher said, Bullock, don't ever, ever write a book. I just wrote my 11th book. My 11th book. I'm writing poetry, and it's not too awful bad, as a matter of fact. And if the news can remind me, I'll bring my last book that Dr. Rutland signed uh, tonight. So, because somebody tells you you can't, doesn't mean you can't. Unless you're telling yourself you can't. Can I get an amen? All right. Abraham fell when he partook of the fruit. Noah fell when he got drunk after the flood. Abraham fell when he listened to Sarah on the matter of Hagar. Lot fell when he went to Sodom. Moses fell when he struck the rock instead of speaking to it. Aaron fell when he made a golden cap. David fell and he sinned with Bathsheba and murdered Uriah. Solomon fell because he um, gave his heart to a foreign woman. Elijah fell when he ran from Jezebel in fear. Peter fell when he denied the Lord. Uh, several times, disciples fell when they feared and hid themselves after Christ was crucified. But Paul came back and said this. In Philippians 3, forgetting what lies behind, I take a step, if you would. Allow me to put the, I press forward, I take a step to keep moving, even though I've blown it, I've made a mistake, my faith hasn't been where it's been, should be, my obligation to God hasn't been where it should be, I continue to move forward. Can I get an amen? amen. So we understand then that good men and good women aren't necessarily perfect men and good women. Moses is a good man, but he killed a man. David was a good man, but he committed adultery. Peter was a good man, but he denied the Lord. Jonah was a good man, but he refused to preach and ran from the Lord. Samson, the Arnold Schwarzenegger of the Old Testament, was a good man, but he couldn't leave the ladies alone. Sarah, the most gorgeous woman by popular opinion in the Bible, let her husband sleep around. Good people can make bad mistakes, but you don't have to fail. You don't have to stay down. Can I get an amen? You get up, you keep moving and marching and stepping forward. And sometimes, like the story in the movie, Baby Steps, you take baby steps to get back in sync with God's moving you forward. Can I get an amen? Well, for that to happen, sometimes there's got to be a little bit of a shaking. 
And that's what's going on today. Well, step one, how to move forward. Even if you've not fallen or fallen. But right now, with what's going on, how do we keep moving forward? Number one, you've got to move forward regardless of circumstances. You've got to move forward no matter what you're facing. You've got to move forward no matter what your bank account says. You've got to move forward whether you drive a car or not. I drove an ice cream truck through Bible school. And I still have nightmares from ding 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 and seven thousand little bratty kids sorry I never use that term should have used it seven little munchkins counting out a dollar and thirty two cents worth of pennies while there's eight thousand other kids and adults waiting in line to get whatever to buy whatever Years and years of, right before going to Bible school, spending hours on the floor of my 1956 GMC school bus with no reverse gear that I slept in in the parks for $3.50 a night. That was my hotel. That was my penthouse to go through Bible school. I count out all those dimes and pennies because no kid ever came out with a dollar bill. They just didn't do it in those days. God taught me to take a step at a time. I didn't grow overnight. You don't grow overnight necessarily. There are times when it can happen. God can do something supernatural. But we generally grow what? A step at a time. And there's nothing wrong with that. So we move forward regardless of circumstances. Listen, there's no progress in your life. You take a step forward. Unless, look at me, unless you step into resistance, you're not tested. Just because you're moving forward and taking a step of faith, despite what's going on in your life and going on around you, unless you meet some kind of resistance, that's what the gymnasium is all about. Do you know that you can't build a muscle until you stretch a muscle? That's how it works. I can tell you. You don't build a muscle unless you stretch it first. If you try and build a muscle... On a cold, unstretched muscle, that's when muscle tears and sprains and stains happen. That's how ligaments are torn, I can tell you. I've torn four ligaments in my body when I was a bodybuilder and martial artist. You've got to warm up that muscle. You've got to stretch that muscle, whether it be your calves, your back, your legs, your neck, whatever it is. If you don't, then when you hit resistance... You'll have a tear, and you'll end up with steroid shots like I've had many of over the years. Spiritually speaking, it's the same thing. When God says to go here, to move there, to travel there, to do this, he gives you a command to step forward in faith, in consecration, in whatever level and area he has you moving forward in, God will lead you into a, the moment you do that, you're thinking oh, everything's going to be fine, but God will move you into resistance. He did that after he taught in parables, put the men in the boat, they ran into the storm, they get through the storm and meet a demoniac that's naked on the other side. God will have you move and at the same time to face resistance. Why? Because he's looking for a body in which he can dwell. 
He's looking for a habitation. He's looking for a man or a woman or a church in which they are moving forward despite resistance. Listen to me now. Despite the temptation to turn left or right, despite the temptation to back up and not move forward, despite the temptation that whatever is causing you or tricking you or tempting you not to go forward with what God has asked of you. Can I get an amen? No clearer picture is that of the city of Jericho and the nation of Israel. They've moved out. They've gone through the Red Sea. They're moving forward. And the last city before they're going to get to the promised land is Jericho. Jericho had two walls, as you remember. One so high, one so thick. The other wall, one so high and one so thick. 30 feet in one and 20 in the other. Jericho is is interesting, and it's important for you to understand Jericho in this message, or any time in your life. Jericho was one, again, the final city that they had to get through or go around or fight with before they got to the promised land. God told them to take steps, move forward, move forward, move forward, move forward. They get, they finally go around in circles for 40 years. You know the story. But then to top it off, you'd think that God would make it easy for them. But he doesn't. And he doesn't always, does he? Church building is hard work. Evangelism. So they faced Jericho. I'm sure that they wanted to go around it. But God didn't let them do that. God doesn't, for whatever reasons right now, God is delaying, I believe, the virus. This is just me. You can think whatever you want to think. Whatever you want to think, you can sound, I may be wrong. It's what I think. Could it be that he's waiting to see what the church is going to do about it? What you're willing to do about it? It's interesting. I know people who prayed heaven down when the virus first hit, but they're no longer praying. So God is waiting, I believe, Maybe he's waiting to see what we're going to do, how we're going to react. And, of course, I think he's shaking the church and certainly shaking the world. But the world's not listening, are they? Jericho was the symbol of the strength and power. Why? Because the people that lived in Jericho predominantly, predominantly idol worshipers. There was only a handful of people in Jericho that weren't idol worshipers. So, God sends out the spies. You know the rest of the story. The city stood directly opposed to Israel's inheritance. Worldwide, the walls are still keeping the gospel out. You see why? You know why? Because there's a little bit of Jericho left in the church. Oh, you all get really quiet. I, man, I just You come back tonight and you can jump around with the noose. I just want to teach you some truth. There's too much Jericho 
left in the church. That's the reason you go by a golf course on Sunday morning. You have a fishing tournament on Sunday morning. Hunting season starts, and I'm not against these things. I, I, I'm a golfer, or I'm a goofer. With my, I kill squirrels and dig holes. But there was a day I was a pretty good golfer. I'm not against those things. Neither is God. But when you do it on Sunday morning, or you do it on Sunday night, we just lost 12 viewers online. Okay? Are you with me? I'm not saying God, that God won't give you a break. I, you know, time off. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying we need to guard our steps of what, where we should be when we take steps to be where we shouldn't be. Can I get an amen this morning? I hope this goes better next week to the next church. Pastor bought a pet centipede that had 100 legs. He wanted a different pet. He goes to the pet store and says, hey, I want a different type of pet. And so pet owner, the pet store owner comes out and says, I've got just a thing. How about a pet centipede that talks? The pastor said, man, I can use that on Sunday morning. So Thursday, takes the pet centipede home. He's feeding what the pet owner said, the store owner said to, to feed him. And Sunday morning, knowing that the little centipede could talk and hear and converse in English, he said, well, hey, Mr. Centipede, you ready to go to church this morning? It's about time. Not one word. Second time, the pastor looks down the little box and says, hey, Mr. Centipede, are you ready to go to church? Not a peep. Third time, the pastor says, hey, Mr. Centipede, you down there? You ready to go to church? Little, still, small voice comes back and said, hey, I heard you the first time. I'm still putting on my shoes. I don't know. Pastor gave that joke to me. What's the point? Some people are still putting on their shoes, while other people are already through the Red Sea. Catch up. Recent poll. 18% of those that took a survey in 200 of the larger churches in America, there was 57,000 people that took this. 20, excuse me, 81% of them said that they haven't been challenged in the last five years to take a step forward to have a deeper commitment with God. 57,200 of the largest churches in America, 81% said they hadn't been challenged to move forward in over five years. Come on, somebody. Point two, step two. If there's ever been a time to develop radical faith, and radical commitment, and radical consecration to God, it's today. Faith is taking the next step even when you don't know or see the top of the staircase for sure. Keep in mind, the promises God that made the Joshua and the promises that are in the Bible that God makes to you are no different. Let me prove that to you. The promises he made to Joshua were this. Follow in obedience to the word of God. Go back and read it. Follow the men of war. Who are the men of war in the New Testament? Who are the men of war in the church? Your church leaders. Those are the men of war. You can be a man of war, a woman of war as well, but generally it's the church leaders, so to speak. Thirdly, he said, follow the priests with the trumpets. That's worship. That's the worship leaders. Follow the Ark of the Covenant. And then he said, take steps to march around the city, 
How many times? And then the last time around, what happened to the walls? Bible students, who can, come on, shout out what happened to the walls. No, they did not. <laughs> I got you. No, they did not fall down. Well, maybe in your translation. But you go back and read the Hebrew here. The walls imploded. They didn't explode. Do you know what that means? A wall that implodes falls inward. And a, fall that, a wall that explodes explodes laterally, upward, and outward. Generally. I've seen variations of that in, in combat, but, very, but generally speaking. But in this case, why is that? If you're taking a building and you shoot a something, some kind of 50 caliber or large round or whatever, and that building explodes, oftentimes it comes out and the bricks and all the stuff is laying in your way. You've got to climb over it. But God imploded the walls so they could step over easily and take possession and authority of the city. Now, what was the name of the woman in that story? The, now, we teach that Rahab was a what? I, it's okay to say the word. We, because it says harlot. Ah, can I challenge every single one of you Bible students to go look up that word? We know this about Rahab. More than we know that she might have been a prostitute. Go look up the word harlot, and you'll have a real eye-opener. It doesn't just mean prostitute. As a matter of fact, archaeologists have found this, and I'm going to close. They have found the fact that Rahab was an innkeeper, and Rahab lived in between one of the walls, which was very common in fortified cities. So she didn't live internally inside the city. She lived in between the walls where they were built little tiny, we'll call them apartments, if you would, one little room apartments. Archaeologists have found the place where they believe that she dwelled in between the walls. And when they went back and looked at it and did some, well, I won't get into all the, how they do it scientifically, but anyway, when they looked at it, dug around, they found out that where she lived on both sides, the walls imploded, but it didn't hurt the section that Rahab lived in. You see, that was God's promise to her. If she would take care of God's people, that God's people would take care of her. Not only was she saved, but her family was saved. Now, we don't know anything about her family, and maybe she was a Rahab, maybe because, you know, she had the means to do it because she had a, you know, a, was an innkeeper. I don't know. But I, I have to challenge myself when I read scriptures for a, on a number of fronts oftentimes when we really go to study it. So, 
We're taking steps. The good steps of a righteous man, a good man, a good woman are established by God. So they took the steps to do what God asked them to do, and they ended up in the promised land. I close with this. I know this is a lot for you this morning, but I wanted to get through this. Let me end with a story about a man by the name of William Carey. Anybody here at all ever hear of William Carey? William Carey was a man that lived during the 1780s, and he was obsessed with taking the gospel to India. And every time he approached his leadership, the leadership rejected him on two grounds. Number one, his age. You're not mature enough. And number two, nobody had been to India as a missionary that we know of before William Carey went. And number three, they rejected him, wanted to step over into the mission field because he had no Bible studies underneath this belt. They disqualified. As a matter of fact, one day... When he walked into, I won't say the name of the denomination, he walked into the office of the man that was over the denomination in those days. The man rebuked him and said this, William Carey, if God ever decides to save those heathen in India, he doesn't have to use you to do it. What? <clears throat> that was a mistake. He was denied ordination for 13 years. No Bible school, no Bible studies, denied ordination. He went on to write a book that you really need to read. It's called this. An Inquiry into the Obligations of Christians. An Inquiry into the Obligation of Christians. It went on to be the most well-read book since he wrote it, even to this day, for evangelism and missionary and church growth. Now, he gets to India. His wife gets sick. She was mentally insane. His three children die. He's there 14 years and not one convert. And yet he's still stepping out like Noxham, to trust God and believe that God's going to do something. God heals his wife. They have more children. He goes on to accomplish the following, talking about steps. He was doing the baby step thing. And then his steps got stronger and further apart until God honored his steps. Now listen to this and I close. He was the first man to translate the Bible into 34 Asian languages, including the dialects in India. He compiled massive amounts of dictionaries of Sanskrit of the different, in the different dialects of India. He is known as the most respected authority on Indian dialect for the Bible even the day after he's been gone for years and years and years. He started the first and most influential Singapore or Serampore College. 
He began churches. He established, he established 19 mission stations, and he formed 100 rural schools before any missionary had ever been there after waiting dozens of years for something to happen. Listen to this, and I'm done. He encouraged education of young girls, pioneered the first horticulture society of India. He served as the professor, professor at Fort Williams College in Calcutta. He began the weekly publication, The Friend of India, which is still in print today, a hundred years later. He printed the first Indian newspaper. He introduced the first concept of savings bank to help the farmers. Now think about this. When this man took a step to go to India, and there are many others we could look at, but I chose a man outside the scriptures for a reason here. When that man made a decision to step towards India, everything was against him, Pastor. If any man had the reason to go, no, no further. I've lost my wife. I've lost my children. Nobody, nobody's backing me. There's no money coming in. Nothing's going right. I'm going back home. I must have missed it. There is the difference between the man and the woman that is willing to step forward like Nashim despite whatever crisis or problems or difficulties they're facing in life. That's a man of God. That's a woman of God. But even if you don't and you fall, God will pick you back up. Peter fell and denied Jesus three times, and Jesus picked him up and prayed for him, and he became a rock in the church, so, so to speak. This man, William Carey, went on to do, there's a longer list. He went on to do phenomenal things because he stayed the course. I end with this statement, the statement that Jesus made. Lord, I'll go with you, but first let me go bury, my, bury the bed. I'll go with you, but I, I got a dead family member. Lord, I'll go with you, but let me go say goodbye to my family. Jesus said, hey, any man that puts his hand to the plow and takes his hand off the plow. Now, he's not saying you made a mistake and fell one time. You took your hand off the plow. He's not taking, saying if you did it 7,000 times. He's talking about, listen to me. He's talking about a person that deliberately, knowingly, knows they're called, knows they're called to do something. I'm not talking about uh, the fivefold ministry necessarily. A person that knows they're to be stepping towards doing this or that. And they purposely, knowingly walk away from it. And they fall. That's different from the man or woman who's going headed towards the goal as best as they can, and they fall. Because God delights in that man, that woman, and will pick them up and bless them and set them on the right road and help them step out again in faith like never before. Is, you, have, you, have I gone too high, too low? I know you're intelligent, okay? But you understand what I'm sharing here, amen? It. it it, it's, it's a little maybe deep for some. I don't know, but maybe it's, too not, maybe it's too shallow for others. I'm not real sure. But I wanted to give you something this morning that I felt the Holy Spirit gave me that might help you make better decisions, especially in the middle of the virus. 
but especially during all of your life, to know that if I fall, that God is there for me. That brings comfort to me. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for our time together. We just bless your holy name. I pray, God, that something that I have said would help someone here, even if it's one person. God, my job that you assigned me with this morning, if I make a difference in one person, one person, to help them move from baby steps to a greater stride of faith and commitment and consecration, we don't use these people that have fallen and failed, fallen, and for an excuse to say, well, David did it. I know David's in heaven, so if I do it, I'll be in heaven. That's not why I read these men's lives, these women's lives. I showed you a list of men and women that you don't have to be like. That if you, you're tempted and you're not out in the battlefield like David and you're up on the wall and you see Bathsheba down there or Samson down there, whatever the case may be, that you don't go down there after that person, after that thing. You're not tempted in the same way. That you're going to allow the strength of God, the peace of God, the grace of God, the faith in God, your commitment to God to help you step closer to God than ever before. So I challenge you in closing, take a step towards the kingdom in ways that you haven't done it in years or in ways and methods and means that God will show you that you've never done it. If it's in tithing, tithe. If it's in giving, give. If it's in serving, serve. If it's in a blessing, bless it. If it's in faith, then let your faith grow. Whatever it is that you need this morning. Every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. No one looking around. Is there someone here this morning? You say, wow, you know what? I needed to hear that because I've stopped stepping. I've stopped moving spiritually. I'm a little dry right now. And I don't want to stay that way in my life. Right now, I want to get up and step towards God. I'm not going to call you forward. I'm not going to ask you to move. Nobody's going to know who you are. But I want to, don't open your eyes. If that's you, I just want you to raise your hand and put it down again. If that's you, God bless you. You know, I need to move towards God right now in Jesus' name. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Look at me. I'm going to raise my hand in front of everybody here. Right now in my life, I need to move closer to God. And I raise my hand. I raise my hand in front of you. Would you stand with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, save us, God. Deliver us. Heal us. Change us. Challenge us in every area of our lives. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said amen. 